morning's scripture is from Luke 10, uh, verses 32 through 42. I'm sorry, 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me all the work to do myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen the better part which will not be taken away from her. The word of God, the people of God. Listen to the song of the wind. Listen to the song of the wind. Listen to the song of the wind. Listen. Christ is teaching, Christ is teaching. So sometimes you read a story, right? And you know the ending before it started? For instance, the three little pigs. Once upon a time, there were three little pigs who each decided to build a house, one out of straw, one out of... and. When you hear that, you pretty much know the end, right? You know there's a woof there in the middle, and you don't get too worried about this woof because you know at the end that woof is going to end up in the big pot, right? Uh, this is how I, I kind of thought this story was going to go when I first heard it. Um, and so was, this is another story, and sometimes you get it wrong, right? You, you don't get how it's going to and right, because you think you've heard it. Um, the story uh, was on a Sunday morning. Um, um, the story of the Sunday morning stop at McDonald Drive. I was in this church, and there were these three women. All of them had lost their husbands over the last three years. All of them were really supportive of each other. They picked each other up for church. They prayed for each other. They laughed uh, with each other. They cried with each other. And after church, they would... Um, often invite Cindy and I to go out to eat and even pay for us. We really enjoyed those three. Um, they were kind of finding a new normal together. And they let us tag along, and it was fun to hear their stories. And one thing I loved about them was, more than almost anything, was that their spirit was so good when they came into church. You know, we can tell, right? Um, we all can feel it, right, as people come into church, what kind of spirit they've got, right? Um, and they were always so excited. They loved to be in church. They jumped in wherever they could. Why, they even went out and picked up my mom for church sometimes. They leaned into my message, and they sang our songs, whether they were contemporary songs or, or hymns or, or, or uh, words with different languages. I mean, they just went all out. They were both Martha and Mary. And you could always count on them for learning and for serving. But this Sunday, 
something was off. First of all, they were late. And I mean, worship was going to start in five minutes, and for them, that meant they were late. They were always 15 minutes early, you know, getting the coffee ready, doing everything that they could to help church go on. And the second thing about what was different was they seemed like they were kind of ticked off when they walked in the room, and that they looked visibly upset. And third, they didn't even say good morning to me. This was weird. But that's beside the point. We were in line. Uh, so so then they, they told me this story. I said, what's going on? And they said, well, we were in line to get our stuff. And this car there at McDonald's, we were in the drive-thru. And this car honked and honked and honked and budged right in front of us in line. I mean, they almost hit us. You know, they just insisted to get in front of us. And man, that made us mad. I mean, we were just shocked. And the whole time we were waiting to get up to the, to the line, we thought to ourselves, we're going to tell the manager about this person. And that manager should ban this person from coming into McDonald's ever again. I mean, they were really upset. But then they finally got to the window. And they were just about to tell the manager all about this. When all of a sudden, guess what? The manager burst into a smile and said, by the way, you don't have to pay for your stuff today. The person right in front of you, they paid your way. Oh my gosh. You never know how a story's going to end, right? Well, that's kind of the way I feel about this biblical story that we just read, that Darren just read. Mary and Martha, we've heard it over and over again. We have labeled people. You're a Martha. You're a Mary. You know, we've done that. We've even labeled ourselves that way. Hey, I'm a Mary. I don't do anything in the kitchen. Or I'm a Martha. That's all I do. I hang out in the kitchen. You know, we, we've got this thing figured out. Um, and I have to say, I always feel so terrible for Martha. I mean, Martha, in this story, if you read it a certain way, seems like a bitter older sister, right? Always serving, always doing her best to be hospitable, serving Jesus with all of her heart, but more than a little upset with Mary over here, who doesn't do squat. <laughs> you know, sits at Jesus' feet and just listens. Come on, get in there, be hospitable, work, Mary. You know, here's... Mary just soaking up all the spiritual stuff. Isn't, our, isn't what we do more than just spiritual, right? Um, and when Mary finally gets the guts to say something, which she should if he's, she's feeling this way, something uh, about Mary to Jesus, what does Jesus do? Martha, Martha, I mean a double whammy two times. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better. Wow, talk about judgment here. I mean, Mary gets the ten. Martha gets the one, right? Um, wow. I bet most of you could almost repeat those words verbatim. And with the same tone. I, I love the way Darren read it. Martha, Martha, you know, it was perfect. Right? To uh, be honest with you, I can be that Martha. I've been that Martha a lot. And I've kind of
kind of guessing if you've ever worked in a church, on a committee, you've been there. I mean, how many times do I have to rearrange these chairs in the sanctuary before worship? Every Sunday. How many times does Connie have to clean up the kitchen without any help? And it gets a little loud in there when she's in there sometimes. How many times does Danielle have to pitch in with Sunday school, you know, without any help? How many times does one of the trustees have to come to the church to turn off the fire alarm for crying out loud? You do it over and over and over again. And even if you start off the job doing it with a grateful heart, and everybody does. Everybody starts off with that heart. It's not so easy when you have Mary over there, oblivious to the hard work you're doing and just sitting at Jesus' feet. How dare Jesus call you out on it? How dare Jesus look you square in the eyes and see your discontent and have the guts to name it and then to call Mary's path the better way? Wasn't it Jesus who said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you got to be the servant of all? This doesn't seem to make sense. Talk about double talk. But what if, just what if, we've been reading this passage all wrong, that Darren got it completely wrong. Maybe he got the tone completely wrong. Maybe we all got the tone completely wrong on this. Maybe it's kind of like, reading an email, right, or a text, and somebody's trying to say something, maybe even friendly, but you're in a bad mood, or you know this friend is a little judgmental, and then all of a sudden that text becomes very, very acidic, right? Never trust a text. (laughs) Never trust an email either. You never get the tone right. Now, there's this German Christian theologian, and and he's a mystic. I'd like to introduce you to this morning, and his name is Meister Eckhart. He's an old dude. He was uh, born in 1260 and lived till 1328. And while I was doing some research on, on this particular message, I came across a sermon that he wrote about Mary and Martha, and it kind of blew my mind, and I want to share a little bit about it because it was a totally different way to look at this story. And more importantly, it made me rethink the way I have thought about this passage and my whole Christian walk. The first thing you need to know, according to Eckhart, is that Martha and Jesus loved each other. They were lifelong friends. In fact, some might say that this was Jesus' closest friend, Martha. They got each other. And that all the words between these two according to Eckhart, are kind of said in a joking manner, kind of lighthearted. We don't read this text at all lighthearted with any sort of uh, joking matter. And that Martha, not Mary, according to Eckhart, is on the more excellent path. She gets it. She understands that at the heart of Christianity is, yes, being at Jesus' feet, but more importantly, doing the work of hospitality, doing the work of service. Martha has infused her head with, with her heart and is doing the better thing, putting her love for the world into service, into hospitality for her neighbor. She's the mature one in the story. Mary, though, is younger, right? Newer to the faith. 
She doesn't understand this marriage of heart and hand. She's still just soaking it all in, right? She too is doing what she needs to do at this stage of her spiritual journey. At this stage of her spiritual journey. Um, And someday, according to Eckhart, she'll get the idea that she also will be able to serve joyfully. Someday. She's just not right there. And so when Martha interrupts Jesus and Mary in the living room to ask if she might help in the kitchen, Mary might help, Martha isn't really upset. She's just kind of teasing Mary and Jesus. She's kind of saying to Jesus, so when you get going, uh, when, when are you going to, uh, to talk to Mary about the full depths of the faith. She's just kind of teasing. When are you going to get to the good stuff, Jesus? When are you going to get to the meat of it? When are you going to challenge Mary to move from the comfort of the living room to the work of the kitchen? And then Jesus' reply is, is not stern, like we all read it, Martha, Martha, right? But it's, listen to this, Jesus never says, except here, someone's name twice. Never. But they're, 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 that means she's even more endearing. Jesus, it's, it's, a, it's an endearing call to Martha. Martha, Martha. You know, it's, just, it's this great friend, a recognition of love for each other. And, and uh, it's a knowing laugh that he gives Martha. And a gentle reminder. Jesus is saying like, Martha, Martha, uh, you too, you know, you were once Mary. I'll, I'll get her there. Just, just be patient. This is where she needs to be right now. But, but she'll learn. She'll grow. She'll, she'll get there. Martha's not bitter. She's, she's not resentful. She's fine with Mary being where she is. She just wants to remind Mary and Jesus of the better down the road. Martha has married her devotional life with her life of service. And this is a wonderful place to be, serving with her whole heart. And she wants Mary to have that gift too. But both Martha and Jesus realize that this is going to take time. That it's a journey. We're all on that journey, aren't we? hope we are. Some of us are in the kitchen serving with full and joyful hearts, we hope. And some of us are in the living room sitting at Jesus' feet, wanting to know more and more and more about the Bible and the Jesus way. And some of us are kind of still out on the porch, just waking up to the fact that God's prevenient grace has always been there for us, preparing a way for us, a a grace that is, is in the wilderness, preparing a way for God, making straight in the desert a highway for God to meet us. And I'd like to talk to you this morning just a little bit about that journey. Um, And you possibly might want to take some steps or think about taking some steps along the journey. So in this journey, I think, according to United Methodists, we like to talk about grace. We like to talk about prevenient grace, justifying grace, and anybody know what the third is? Sanctifying grace, yes, thank you, Dave. Don't overachieve over there. <laughs> yes, so we have, we have a prevenient grace, and this is the porch, right? If you think of a house, this is the porch. This is where we've all played all of our lives, you know? And we are just pretty much as kids, and sometimes as teenagers, sometimes as adults, we're just kind of unaware of all the things somebody has done for us 
to make the way a better way. All the people that have gone before us, all the times that God has worked through people, through things, through events, to kind of reach us and touch us. And so we just play and we play and we play. Kind of like me before I changed diapers for the first time. I never realized what my mother did for me until I changed a diaper that I began to realize, wait a minute, my mom did tons, right? That's prevenient grace, right? And so at one point, we start becoming aware of that. We become aware of what God is doing in our life and that God is moving and God is doing all sorts of things and working through all sorts of people. And once we become aware of that, we kind of want to just enjoy it for a while, of course. But at some point, we feel this tug. We feel this tug to go into the living room, to go through that door and give thanks to God and do something for somebody else. You know, pass it forward. Take that love, take that gift, and give it to someone else. Heard this in grief, going from pain to purpose. That's kind of what that is, right? Um, you, you see the pain, but you also realize there are people there helping you. So you get in there. I want to do something purposeful in this world. And so that's where a lot of us are, the living room, right? We've, we've made that journey. We've accepted that Jesus and God loves us and that we now are called to do something with it, right? That's living room. And then we are all like this. There's a battle that goes on. <laughs> How much are we going to give of ourselves, right? How much of my selfish self am I going to give up and let Christ enter my heart? Um, and and it's, a, it's a battle that takes, I think, years and years and years and years. All of our life, every year, we try to give up a little more of our, our selfishness, of our own thoughts of what we need, and we try to let God enter our heart more and more and more. And that's moving into the kitchen, right? It's where we begin to really get serious about our are serving and try to serve even more and more. Now, sometimes this is a process, and I would say a lot of times I move all the way out to the porch for a while, and then I come back into the living room, and then I go into the kitchen. I mean, that's, that's a general, we do these moves, right? Sometimes it can happen in one moment, and it happened for me in kind of one moment, I think, although it's a moment that's been all my life. And it was the first time that I held my son Ben in my arms. Um, I was just 22. Uh, Cindy was just 20 or 21 at that point. We were young. And this little baby came into our lives. And I remember the first time I held that baby, I know I should have been just like, wow, this is awesome was scared out of my pants. <laughs> I thought to myself, I am not ready for this. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue how to be a parent. I felt like I was going to drop Ben for a minute. But then another feeling came over me. Just this feeling of what a gift. How beautiful, how cool, how amazing. I mean, and just when Ben looked up in my eyes and, and I think maybe farted, I mean, he smiled. <laughs> I mean, I was just enamored with that baby, with Ben. And I remember that night 
having both of these feelings in my heart, the porch, both my selfish self, right? Um, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I can give. I, I don't know if I have it. And also the grace part, like, wow. And I remember walking around this little town of Haywarden, Iowa, at one in the morning, kind of lost and afraid, but also feeling a pull in my heart, pull of growing up, of being as someone who's going to be a lover in this world. And so I remember seeing a church. It was United Methodist Church, Haywarden, First United Methodist Church. And believe it or not, in one in the morning, it was open. <laughs> now, I don't know if it was on purpose or the pastor just forgot, but the bottom line, it was open. And so I went into that church. And I just remember just like bawling my eyes out because of the grace of this moment. And also the fear of this moment, but also realizing as I cried that I wasn't alone in it, that I didn't have to do it all by myself. And that, for me, was the grace of the living room, of going into the living room and realizing it wasn't just me, that I had a community that I could fall upon, that I had others that I could rely on, that I had Cindy, <laughs> which was a really a big deal. Um, and that's when, you know, I kind of accepted that, hey, you know, I'm not just going to be Brooke. I'm going to be a hell of a dad. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give my life to being a great dad as, as good as I can. Um, and I just really just started letting go of all that fear and tension of being me and decided, no, I'm going to be a dad. That's all that matters. And I did. That's what I tried to do. Not always. Um, and that's my journey. It always has been. And if you've ever been a, someone who's uh, loved that way, it might not be a parent, it might be a job, it might be a career, it might be a calling. That's the way it is, right? And we continue to live further and further into that pull, right? And let that pull have its way with us. That's how God met me that day. And that's how that grace moved me and continues to move me. Um, listen, if you've ever had a daughter named Cassie, it's not easy being a parent. No, <laughs> she's great. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a great and wondrous thing, and it's a great and terrifying thing to do that. And I, I love both parts of that. And so I hope this morning you might think about your journey. Are you out on the porch? Just hanging out? Some might say, plucking blackberries, you know, just, or is there maybe a pull for you to move into that living room and start serving, start doing something for the world, taking your pain and your joy and making it into purpose. And then maybe you're in the living room and you're doing some things, but can you turn your heart even more and give even more and give even more graciously and joyfully? That's the journey. And all the people said, Amen.